Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. So we're talking about back to school. I know I see. How are you? Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? We're talking about back to school. <laughs> and I just want to say, and I know it's a Christmas song, but you know, I know it's beginning to look on like Christmas. And there's a line where it says, Mom and Dad can hardly wait for school to start again. Yeah. That's horse apples. Oh, yeah? Yeah, man. First of all, I love hanging out with BB. BB's the only one in school. I like hanging out with Dot, too. <laughs> Don't get it wrong. <laughs> but I think it's way more stressful when school is in, right? Because you got to get your kid ready in the morning. You got to get them to school. And then you got to go pick them up. And then you're doing, like, soccer. And you're doing stuff. And there's lunches to pack. And there's clothes to pick out. And there's things, the things to sign. That- the, the stress is different because... Yes, there are lots of like bursts of stress, I think, except when the kids are home all day, every day, it's very tiring for me. <laughs> yes, but that is a stress and tiring I can understand, right? And that BB can understand, right? Of like, we're doing stuff and we're going places and we fill in our day with things. But when it's just like, we need to get to school or we're going to be late, that happened this morning, right? We were running yeah. behind. And I was like, and we got in the car and I was like, hey, sorry it was so rushed, buddy, but we can't be late. And she was like, why not? And I said, because we'll get in trouble. <laughs> and she was like, how will we get in trouble? And I was like, well, if you're late enough times, we have to go talk to the principal. And she's like, and then what? I was like, and then the school will be mad at us. And she said, how will the building be mad at us? <laughs> and she meant it completely sincerely. And I was like, no, no, like the people that work there. And she was like, why? And I was like, because. Well, I think I think specifically they can't expel or suspend you anymore for tardies and absences. But I think that the law can fine you, right, for truancy? Well, here's the thing. I'm an adult. I don't know if people know this about me. I'm an adult. And the thing Listen, there's lots of bad stuff that can happen to you, and there's lots I'm afraid of. But one of my biggest anxiety triggers is uh, another adult who I perceive as more adult than me Mm. saying, you did a bad thing. And me being like, I know. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, man. I know. Yeah. It it always, uh, I feel like those coaches in uh, uh, like after game things when they lose and they're like, yeah, you know, uh, we made a lot of mistakes. And there's a podcast called the Dumb Dads Podcast. And they do these TikToks about like back to school. They've done it in the last couple of years. And it's like the coaches after the game and they're like, mm-hmm. and they get like questions from the audience. It's like, did the uh, first day of school picture happen? And they're like, uh, technically, yes. Um, <laughs> but we're going to run some drills and then take another shot at it <laughs> this Sunday. Um, anyways, that's that's how I feel. Most days it's like smooth sailing. It's great. And then something. Anyways, we're talking about back to school. That's right. We are talking about back to school. And like you said, there's a lot of things to juggle. There is a lot of stressors that can happen, not only for us, but for kids as well. Um, So we're going to go over a few of those things. And speaking of stressors, in the second half of the episode, uh, we have some special guests. uh, Our friends Alex and April, who are the authors of a great book, uh, called A Case of the Zaps. It's all about like anxiety in children and uh, identifying it and talking to them about it. And it's a really great interview. How do I know? Why? We already recorded it. So look forward <laughs> to that. But first. um, So 
One of the things that is hard about returning to school is not knowing what school will look like. Uh, mm. We had this with Bibi. Uh, this was her first year as a kindergartner at a school that she didn't go to preschool in. Yeah, she went to a different school for preschool. But this one's way closer. Yay! <laughs> so, in general, what you all you can do is all you can do, right? So yes. you can control what you can control. One of the things you do is you can establish a practice routine. This was great because our school had like a little jump start program yeah. where it was just the kindergartners and the preschoolers and no big kids at school. Mm -hmm. So they got a chance to like figure out where the cafeteria was and their bathroom and where all the drop kind off of stuff. will be, which is good for me. Once again, right. I don't want another adult saying like, what are you doing? And we'd be <laughs> like, I don't know. So uh, that's a great way to provide structure. Uh, so that you can get your child ready. Um, you can even have them practice the morning and evening routines, right? Yeah. Things Run like... Run drills, you know, like it's a... Uh, like it's, I was going to say like it's a pit crew, but I guess also like it's an emergency drill on mm -hmm. a cruise ship and you're figuring out where the exits are. <laughs> I guess on a cruise ship, the exits are everywhere <laughs> if need be. <laughs> you have designated like emergency spots. Yes, anyway, anyway, you can do things like practice laying out their clothes, packing their backpack. Uh, if you need a lock on their locker, they can practice their like unlocking the combination lock. That's mm -hmm. a great practice. Um, you know, open house day. That's, oh, that's amazing. Great. And I also, uh, one of the things I, I really like that helps me is if I get a chance, like we did, uh, during the open house and stuff to go see like what the classrooms look like and what the, uh, you know, where the cafeteria is and all that stuff. It gives me the context to like ask her questions mm -hmm. and like when she's describing a thing, I can be like, oh, and did you go over to this place and make it, you know, very contextual for her? Yeah. Another concern is maybe your child's scholastic needs, right? Um, you might not know what's expected of them as far as like the actual schoolwork goes. So there's a lot of resources that you can you can take advantage of, uh, like parent teacher night, mm -hmm. right? So we had a uh, open school thing. Well, it was just the parents and the teachers. Yeah. It wasn't it the It really kids. gave me a chance to make jokes and impress the other parents, which is really all I need. And also a chance <laughs> to find out what the teacher likes so I could send some of that stuff along with BB to really suck up to her, right? Like, it's like, now, oh, now, you, now. What? Yeah, oh, doesn't every parent it's want not, the teacher to be like, I like this family the best? It's important to be kind to everyone, teachers especially. Okay, that's a, hey, that's a very political way to put it. I want to be the teacher's favorite. Okay. Just, I, I've never grown out of that because I don't know if you know this about me. I want to be everyone's favorite. And so it's not just the teacher. If if it were up to me, I would send presents to that teacher every day to the point where she'd be like, is he trying, is he trying to date me? What's happening here? But no, no, no. I just want to be the favorite. You don't have to be the favorite. It's important for your child to try their best sure. and not try and be the best. Okay, but what if your child is, is the best? Okay. All right. We don't want to set up, like, perfectionism tendencies. No. Uh, and a couple ways that you can do that is you can release the idea that your child has to be perfect. Yeah, that, no, that's true. I'm, I'm, of course, just joking. Here is a thing that I don't think I would have thought about in this vein before I was a parent. Mm -hmm. And that is like getting stuff on their clothes, right? Getting paint on there, getting food on there, whatever. Yeah. And they come home with like dirty clothes. 
letting go of that, yeah. you know, of like, and listen, it's not about like, well, we can replace that. We can get you new things, right? Because not everybody can afford to replace clothes that easily and that quickly. It's just more of like, well, yeah, you're, yeah, you're a kid. What are you going to do? You know? Exactly. Um, you can also encourage learning uh, outside of school by doing educational trips or even reading to the kids, uh, 20 minutes a day really helps with their reading comprehension and also helps them regulate their own bodies because the sitting and the reading is something that not every child really is super good at. Um, I know Dottie, you know, she's not quite three yet. So sitting and, and reading for 20 minutes at a time is not something she is physically capable of. Um but five minutes here, five minutes there really helps her regulate, be able to sit and relax for a moment instead of being everywhere all at once, which is what she normally wants to do. Also, something you can do anywhere, anytime with no props and no, like you don't need anything. So is like to help a kid work on their critical thinking. So if a kid asks you a question about something like, well, why did that happen? You can say, well, why do you think that happened? Mm -hmm. And see if they can work it out or be like, why do you think they painted that blue? Why do you think? And, you know, it doesn't have to have a correct answer. Right. But just have them think through like, well, maybe they wanted it to look like the sky or whatever. And you're like, oh, that's a good reason. I like that. And remember that you don't have to do this alone, parents. There's lots of places that you can find um, great playgroups or tutor exchanges, homework clubs. I mean, even some schools have staff members who specialize in children who who need a little extra attention. And that's just fine. And listen, in all of that, I also want to say the other side of that is not everybody has the ability to do all those things. Some people are out there working, you know, two to three jobs to make ends meet and they're busy and all that. There are really great video series and mm -hmm. we have done a lot. Man, I credit a lot of like Daniel Tiger and like BB and Dot, both like Busy Beavers and- Bubble Guppies. Bubble Guppies. There are lots of shows that like teach things and that you kids can gain a lot from. So screen time is a helping thing to help, you know, educational stuff in even if it's secret educational stuff, <laughs> hidden in fun shows like Bubble Guppies. Uh, I mean, there's lots of emotional lessons and critical thinking in Bluey, um, all of that stuff. So I like the solution to these things isn't always like do more things or go to more places. Sometimes it's just like, yeah. Just try to find the things, you know, if your kid wants to watch iPad or whatever, just make sure that whatever it is, they're getting something good from it. Um, there is also this time of year a lot of anxiety around sicknesses, mm -hmm. right, um, and the absences that come from that. Um, one of the things that you can do at home is to start your hygiene routines, things like sneezing into your elbow, right, proper cleaning techniques and hand washing. Um, there are some great tutorials online for songs that you can sing while you wash your hands. Mm -hmm. You can get great, fun, colorful soaps, like all kinds of stuff to really help make your child feel like they have some control over their body. And every time you buy them like a new stuffed animal, make sure you say, and of course, if it comes to it, we might have to burn this. You know, like in the Velveteen Rabbit, you know, isn't that what happens in the Velveteen Rabbit? Yeah, because they get like scarlet fever. Well, I mean, listen. Not because not they're sneezy. Well, sure. I mean, you need to set the full scope. No, I'm just kidding. Don't tell your kid about. I don't know why anyone would ever tell anyone about the Velveteen Rabbit. <laughs> um, 
that and well, like, you just did. I know, and I feel terrible. What's wrong it. with you? I feel terrible about it. I was also just about to reference where the red fern grows. No, I feel terrible. Stop What's it. wrong with me? I have to stop. Um, another one can be making friends, uh, which is equally as difficult for children as it is often for adults. Correct. Um, but you can do a kind of like emotional coaching for them uh, by doing things like teaching them to take turns and being kind and respectful. Um, a great way to make new friends is to sign up for activities. Oh, along with the emotional coaching thing, I, this is something that I know I still in many ways struggle with and struggled with all through school. And so it's something I'm trying to like indirectly coach BB on. I'm not trying to be like, hey, get it together. But say like, oh, do they have any siblings? Oh, what's their favorite color? When is their birthday? Right? And so encouraging her to ask them questions to mm -hmm. get to know them. Yeah. Right? Because that's another thing of, listen, it's wonderful. We've all been there, right? Where you had a best friend growing up and you were best friends because like you lived nearby. Right. Because, yeah. Next like, door. That's why we're like, best friends. Oh, I don't. I can't remember anything about them, but uh, yeah, they were always kind of there. And that's fine. That's great. Proximity is a really great way to make friends. Right. And I, this is another thing, too. We might get to this, but I've kind of touched on it a couple times of asking a kid one big question, like how was school or what did you do at school today? Right. It can be overwhelming, right? Because I, I don't know. For me, like I have a hard time remembering like, I, you know, I'll get home from a convention and then it's like I'm trying to think of like what to tell Teresa about the convention. I'm like, it was good. Uh, I did stuff. But if it's like, <laughs> oh, did you go to any good restaurants? Oh, did you see anyone there? You know, right. Specific questions. So like I tried to figure out which uh, we they're called specials, I think. But like art, music, gym, that kind of thing. What BB has. And I'm like, oh, what did you do in gym today? Or like, oh, did you play with anybody at recess? Oh, how was lunch? Did you finish everything? Right, specific, for lack of a better word, bite-sized questions. And it doesn't even have to be about anything specific. One great question is, what is one good thing that happened today? Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, it can be my friend told me a joke or I got to play with the putty or whatever it is, right? Also, sometimes if you're lucky, you'll get some like really good hot gossip of just like, <laughs> oh, well, I, there was a kid, I can't remember his name, that's probably for the best, but in her preschool where she'd come home and be like, such and such made some bad choices today. And I'm Aww. like, oh, no, what happened? And then I start to learn about like, well, this person likes to play with this person, but she likes to play with this person. I'm like, oh, really? And I'm <laughs> into it. You're into that hot goss. I cannot wait till she's in high school. I'm going to be like, all right, now, what happened <laughs> with Derek and Judy today? Uh, going back to what I was talking about. Oh, sure, sure, activities. sure. Activities. Uh, we've always loved dance in our house, uh, but we are trying a new activity. We're going to try soccer this year oh and i almost hey hey parents um i if you're like me we got an email that was like hey we need soccer coaches for this now listen folks i don't know anything about soccer i barely know about soccer from ted lasso that's it, <laughs> that's it. and well ted lasso barely knew anything right. about soccer and, and look where still, he is now well this is what i'm saying <laughs> so i saw this email and i thought i could do that what? Why would I think that? So I did not sign up. I did not sign up because uh, as funny as it is, I just pictured myself, the kids asking a question or and then me having to Google what that term meant, and I just couldn't do it. Um, so one of the one of the next things I want to talk about uh, is about children's mental health. Oh yeah, very important. 
Um, You may not be able to give your child the amount of mental health days that you did in preschool. For example, for us, the new attendance policy is going to be something that we have to start figuring out, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But we want to make sure that they aren't overscheduled, so we're only doing two activities. Um, And, you know, she's in kindergarten, but no college admission, like, team accolade or whatever is is worth your child's mental health, right? Okay, so to jump back to when we were talking about, like, getting ready and, Mm -hmm. like, feeling rushed and getting ready, right? There can be times, like, I've noticed that there are some days where the person opens the door for BB to get out of the car, and she's like, I'm not ready, right? And it is a little bit of a thing. And in the moment, there's no time to talk about it, and it's very stressful and stuff. And so I try to later, you know, when she's home and after she's had some time to, like, settle into being home, say, like, hey, so I noticed this morning that you said you weren't ready. When you say that, what do you mean? Exactly. You can talk about like physical and mental symptoms of stress, things like stomach aches or racing thoughts or or a fast heart, right? Fast heartbeat. And how you can deal with this kind of stuff doesn't have to be super elaborate. You don't need any kind of like counseling background in order to do this. Taking a few deep breaths Mm -hmm. is something that everyone can do and you can coach your kids to do that or take a walk. This morning, uh, Dot was a little bit frustrated about something and I heard BB say, do you want to take a deep calming breath with me? Do you want to do balloon breaths or rainbow breaths? And I was like, what? Yeah. Anyways, BB's the best and I love her very much. Uh, Even just taking a walk. Right. It doesn't even have to be outside. Like go to the kitchen, get yourself some water. That's a good walk, a good task, something that they can do to feel in control of their body again. It's also speaking of in control of their body. Mm -hmm. This is another thing that we've always kind of tried to work on. um, And it's especially tough once a kid goes out into the world. But working on uh, consent of like if someone because this is the thing I think that past generations didn't always focus on where like even a family member you know an aunt or something would ask for a hug and the kid didn't want to hug like well no go hug him go do the thing and it's like no if she doesn't want to she doesn't have to right especially as we get into like there are lots of other kids running around and maybe that kid runs over and tries to grab them or whatever pick them up or tickle them or anything like that and making sure your kid knows like hey if somebody tries to do that and you do not want that to happen say no and that is okay if a teacher tries to hug you say no walk away it's fine right cuz i'd much rather deal with a teacher saying like yeah it just kind of seems like sometimes bb doesn't want to be touched i mean be like yeah mm-hmm. dude that totally makes sense than the other way around you know what right. i mean right um and if your kid is having a hard time and you can definitely validate yes this is hard Yes, this hurts sometimes, things, you know, like the racing heartbeat or the stomach Mm -hmm. ache, things like that. But you can try and explain to them that it's only temporary. Um, And, you know, if you're, it won't always be this way Mm -hmm. and it will probably turn out okay. And uh, that's a good chance for, you know, uh, I always get them confused. I think empathizing of saying like, you know, sometimes I feel like that too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when that happens for me, what I like to do is this and this and this. What do you think would help you? Um, and you know, because I get frustrated, BB gets frustrated. So I try and I talk about this in just a little bit in the interview, in the discussion part of it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so before we go to the interview, we did have a couple of listener questions I'd like to go over. Let's see. We got a question of, is it a faux pas to reply to discussion questions in online class with more 
or double or triple than the minimum required word count. Um, I love to write, especially with the absence of talking, which makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't want to be. I don't want to be a tryhard or be annoying. I just love to learn. And so I'd first like to say you're you're not annoying, but you can, you know, use your best judgment. If you have things to say, uh, I'm certain that they are important to someone in the conversation. Um, and your teacher is probably happy that you're excited to talk about the subject. That's fantastic. Especially in online learning, we can kind of zone out a little bit, you know. Um, I, I want to I want to say something real quick because I've been thinking about being annoying a lot because okay. I um, I think that while you are not annoying, people might be annoyed by you. OK. Right. So I think about it like an allergy. This is kind of how I talk to BB about it of like there are people who might be allergic to you and they get annoyed by the way that you do things. That does not mean you are inherently bad. It means that their reaction to you is negative, right? That is not a judgment call on you. It is the way they interact with your behavior. And so there might be people that when you answer it, that they roll their eyes or that they're, you know, sighing or something somewhere else. That should not change the experience you are getting out of the thing, because if that's what you need to feel, uh, you know, in place in in this class and learning from this class, then you should be focused on your experience for it. You writing too much is not hurting someone else. It is not taking up their space. You know, I think that there's a difference between if this was like something you were taking too many turns at. Yeah, you should wait your turn and make sure that everyone has time to get their questions answered as well. But you just giving a bigger, longer answer than somebody else does not take anything away from them. Exactly. Um, If you're regularly sending gigantic blocks of text novels, you can find a way to edit and be more succinct. I'm not saying don't write. I'm saying keep it simple and to the point. I also think that this is a good opportunity to, outside of the the class session, email or contact the teacher in whatever way you want to, to say like, hey, as you've probably noticed, I like to, you know, give longer answers. I, is that a distraction in any way? Is that something that is affecting class? Would you like me? And because I'm willing to chances are they'd be like, no, it's great. It shows that you're really engaged in it mm-hmm. and that you're you know you care about the answers. I love it. Here's the next one. Um, I work as a custodian. Is it okay to use facility educational materials like the library, for example? We are allowed to use recreational equipment like gym weights and basketball courts, but no specification for education equipment. Now, I would like to say that if it is a finite resource that the students are using, Mm -hmm. I'd say no, especially since a lot of that comes out of the teacher's pocket. Um, and isn't provided by by the school, but if it's an if it's not a finite resource, yeah. the library absolutely you should be able to use the library. Um, and you know if it's like I said, if it's not a finite resource, don't go using up art supplies or whatever. But yeah, you should be able to use those things as long as you know it says. You're allowed to use recreational equipment specifically. That's great, right? Not a finite resource. The library, not a finite resource. If your school has maybe like like a faculty pool or something, that's fantastic. Um, You know, make sure that you're following all of the safety rules and correct signage and whatnot. But yeah, if it is 
not a finite resource, go ahead and go for it. And if it's something that you're really worried about getting in trouble for, which, as I've already stated, I often worry about getting in trouble for things, you know, go to a vice principal or principal or, I don't know, whoever is in charge these days and say, hey, is it cool if I check out books for the library or use the computers in there or whatever? Yeah. If I sit and play the piano in the music room if nobody's there, whatever you want to do. Yeah. I'm willing to bet they'll say yes. I'm willing to bet, As too. long as you're doing your job, too. Like, <laughs> I think that's the other thing. You can goodwill hunting all you want to, right? But just make sure that you're also doing your job. Right. The next one is, if you're putting stickers or a kid's name on their school stuff, like notebooks and lunchboxes and stuff, what items should be labeled and which items should not? Here is a great rule of the road. Vessels and clothing. Oh. Okay, so. I really like the word vessels. I know what you mean by it. That's a good one, But I also just like, it conjured some very like fantasy-based things (laughs) of like, you must fetch a vessel. So like, if you have a specific gym uniform, Mm -hmm. the gym uniform, all pieces should be labeled. If it's something that comes off their body during the day, like like a jacket um, or a hat or gloves or whatever, those all need to be labeled. cape. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, other than that. Are kids into cloaks these days? Is that, can we bring cloaks back? I'm sure some kids are into cloaks. Oh, I'm just saying. Versatile. Versatile. Good on, uh, good at school, good in the woods. Good if you're, you know, having to track with some hobbits, you're going on an adventure, need a good cloak. A good cloak is always good for an adventure. Um, and then as far as like vessels go, things like uh, lunch boxes and backpacks and pencil cases. Water bottles. I, I could go on. Well, so basically, if you have the name on the vessel it goes in, for like example, the, the pencil case, right? There's no need to label every pen and pencil and crayon or whatever, or like the protractor or whatever kids use these days, right? I don't think kids are using protractors these days, at least not in kindergarten. Not I don't in think it comes up. Not until geometry, probably. Maybe. I don't remember ever using a, a graphing calculators now. Ooh, now yeah. we're talking. Um, and sometimes if, you can play games on them. Don't tell the teachers. <laughs> if the pencil box is labeled, it uh, goes for everything inside the box, too, right? Right. Um, so no need to, to label all of those sorts of things. There are a few things like scissors, right? Scissors can often get lost in the shuffle. You put them in your hands. You lend them to someone, things yeah. like that. I would recommend putting your name on your scissors um, just so that they make their way back to you. Yeah, I would say with supplies things, like anything that is more uh, like more difficult to replace, Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're getting pens and pencils, you ex- you expect to have to swap those out. But like scissors, as you're saying, scissors, rulers, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, anything your kid might sit down and leave someplace, yeah. you know, that you would want back. And also, uh, along the same lines, make sure you check uh, whatever like the guidelines or guidebook is or whatever about stuff they can bring to school. Mm-hmm. Like usually toys are nowadays, especially, are a no-go. So just making sure on that kind of stuff. And here's a trick. You don't have to get like fancy labels or anything. You could do uh like packing tape, packing tape, write on the packing tape, and then put another piece of packing tape over it. Boom. Got yourself a name on there, baby. I love my fancy labels though. I know you like your fancy labels, but I'm saying not everybody 
Like knows where to get fancy labels, <laughs> right? Uh, one last one. Uh, what do you do with the hall pass in the bathroom? This is a really great question, and it's very specific to— Flush it down the toilet. No. Oh. It's specific to what the hall pass looks like, right? So some teachers have, like, safety pin passes or even, like, clothes clips, right? Um if not, here's a great idea. Leave it on the sink counter mm. so that as you are leaving the bathroom going to wash your hands, you see it right there. Yeah. Um, instead of leaving it like uh, maybe on top of like the toilet paper dispenser or uh, maybe if there's like a, a sanitary trash can in there, I wouldn't leave it in there because you're more likely to forget it there. If you put it on the bathroom counter, you'll see it as you leave. Now, listen, if you're a school and you're listening or your teacher or whatever, administrating and listening, have a plan for that. Put a hook <laughs> on the wall when they come in the door. Make sure there's a ring on the hall pass. Don't leave that up to the child to decide. <laughs> They've got enough going on. I like the ones with the giant sticks. Okay. I, I'm not going to lie. I like ones with big spoons on it that sometimes you get at coffee shops. That's fun. <laughs> but then there's not always a plan for what do I do with this giant spoon. All right. Listen, we're going to take a break for some Max Fun promos. And when we come back, we'll be talking with the authors of A Case of the Zaps, April and Alex. So stick around and we'll be right back. Are elephants right-handed? What's the middlest size in the universe? What is the history of fan fiction? Let's find out together on our show, Let's Learn Everything, where we learn anything and everything interesting. My name's Caroline, and I studied biodiversity and conservation. My name's Tom, and I studied computer science and cognitive... Blah, 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 blah. Mm, did you? <laughs> <laughs> and my name's Ella, and I studied stem cells and regenerative medicine. On our show, we do as much research as you would for a class, but we don't get in trouble for making each other laugh. And we get to say, fuck. <laughs> Maybe not in the trailer. Subscribe to Let's Learn Everything every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. Are you ready to binge watch something old? The Greatest Generation is a podcast about Star Trek by a couple of hosts a little bit embarrassed to even have a Star Trek podcast. Hosted by me, Ben Harrison. And me, Adam Pranica. We get into the critical, the technical, the science fictional aspects of the show we love while roasting it and each other at the same time. We've completed an entire series about Star Trek The Next Generation and another one about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And we've just begun Star Trek Voyager. So now is a great time to start watching a new Star Trek series with us. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts and become a friend of DeSoto today. Okay, uh, I'm really excited. Hi, everybody. We're back from, I don't know, commercial. We're recording this first, so I don't know where we took the break. But uh, <laughs> we're joined by friends of ours, uh, Alex Boniello and April LaVale. And Alex, I definitely just mispronounced your last name. I know that that's true. You when know what's so funny? To... You pronounced mine right, and you pronounced April's wrong. Get out. What is it, April? It's LaVale. <sighs> Man, you were I'm so bad close. at names. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Um. So Alex and Abel are primarily just a, a Broadway power couple. <laughs> um, I believe is how they're described. Not just Broadway, because the press release that I got from my friend Alex's uh, movie on Netflix, Love Gelato, is that it's swoon-worthy. So right. apparent, and now, because it's about gelato, Alex, would you say it's also spoon-worthy? 
Um, that depends. Actually, yeah, I'm not even gonna, like, all, I, only yes. Only <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, an unqualified yes gonna... to my bad joke. Thank you, Alex. That means You're so welcome. much thing. Um, I've, I've known Alex for a while now, ever since I, uh, wrote out on a piece of paper an excuse for him to get out of performing a Broadway show so that he could come to a My Brother, My Brother and Me live show, which I don't think he used. No, it didn't work, yeah. Oh, man, I'm so sorry, bud. It is still on the fridge, that's true. <laughs> that's nice. Okay. Yeah. But that's not the reason we have April and Alex on today. They have written, uh, let's just say, a delightful uh, book. I almost said children's book, but I think it's applicable uh, beyond that, called A Case of the Zaps. Um, Alex and April, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, the book, just right off the top? Sure. It is a book for children, Good, but sorry. you can read oh. it at any age. Um, it's called A Case of the Zaps. It's about a pie, a, a robot named Pie, excuse me, who, um, you know, is just a normal kid robot living their best life when all of a sudden they're confronted with a scary and strange sensation called the Zaps um, in anticipation for an upcoming field trip to old Silicon Valley. Yeah, that's pretty now, good. Thank you. That, yeah, that, that could be the back cover. Like that was right there. Great work. I'm actually pretty proud. I just pulled that out, and uh, I'm pretty proud of how I did there. It was very good. Now, the Zaps in this case is anxiety, right? Yes. It's it's a very, very good way to uh, talk about anxiety. And the reason I said I didn't want to just call it a children's book is I really liked reading it with BB because BB can be a pretty anxious kid. Uh, and uh, I could be a pretty anxious human. And I like that it includes ways to, like, have the conversation about it with your kids as well as like it touches on ways to help and to process uh, anxiety and stuff like that. And not just, it doesn't just like, it's not just a cute story. There's helpful things in there as well for the conversation and for helping the kid out and for helping the parent out. Um, and you worked with the, the Children's Mind Institute. Is that the correct organization? Child Mind Institute. Yeah, they were, they were really useful. So the story about that really quickly is they're actually one of the partners that Dear Evan Hansen has for like their mental health outreach and stuff like that. Like, and so during my time at Dear Evan Hansen, I think kind of as a combination of the role that I played in that show, uh, for those of you who don't know and are familiar with the show, I played Connor on Broadway for like two years. Um, so a combination of the role and also my comfort kind of talking about it, I sort of became the like de facto go do the press event <laughs> for our mental health partners sort of person which I was very happy to do. And so I worked with the Child Mind Institute on a few different events and they were always awesome and always, always great. And they do exactly what it sounds like they do. Um, and so when we were writing this book, we had said to our publishers, we're like, look, like if we're gonna write this, we really wanna make sure that we are speaking correctly as like up to date, as efficiently, you know, even if it seems like it's like a little story about one character, like, the way that you message these topics down to like even specific word choices and stuff like that really, really matters. So they had, uh, they were awesome and they had doctors kind of read drafts of the book so that if there was ever anything that was like, that stuck out to them, they could let us know. Um, you know, we're very happy to say we didn't have to do too much work, but our personal favorite one is if you remember at the beginning of the book, we established that there is a robot earth um, oh, yeah. where the robot where the robots mm. live um and the initial draft of the book said something along the lines of like 
yeah, it's like Earth. Like long ago, humans lived here, and now the robots live here. Oh no! Well, yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you. Very hey, good, very as good. a parent, thank you so much for not <laughs> making me explain that to BB. It Correct. just uh, really, op- it really closes that door as far as yeah. like all of those questions. Well, what happened? Yes, I'm right. Glad Don't that- worry. There's I'm not glad- skeletons and- right under the surface. No, thank you, you so much. You picked it up quick. No, the editor said, like, we don't have to give the anxious kids existential dread as well. Which is <laughs> right, kind of like, right. yes, good point, good point. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I was actually wondering about, like, your specific target audience. Um, because we are doing this this kind of, like, interview for you guys, with you guys, uh, as part of a, a back-to-school kind of how-to for our listeners. Um, and so I noticed in the illustrations that there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like primary colors. There's a lot of like bright sort of like zaps and zops and stuff like that. What was, what was your thought as far as like the age group and how you talk to them differently than you would talk to say a different age group, like, a, like teens, right? Yeah, that's a really good question because our, I guess our target age group would be between the ages of four to nine, which is a really, really broad age group. Usually four-year-olds and nine-year-olds aren't reading the same books, (laughs) Um, but there's something like kind of for the younger kids with the words being kind of all robotified, I will say with the text, like words like zaps and spring and everything like that kind of jump out off the page in a different font. And we wanted that because that's kind of how younger kids are going to respond to the story. They're going to like the pictures, the really fun, exciting words that they could kind of shout out. Um, but they might not super latch on to that anxiety storyline at that age. <laughs> but right. if you give the book to a nine-year-old, um, they could kind of understand more about like the subtext of what the book is really about and relate to Pi in a different way. I also kind of think Alex and I truly wrote this book for like, our younger anxious selves in a way. Like I think we were both kind of like anxious overachieving kids. And I I kind of feel like the kids so far who have been reading it that resonate the most with it are those like super overachieving kids who, you know, adults put a lot of their like pride and faith into, but kind of under the surface, there's this like building pressure that they can't truly name yet. I feel like we kind of wrote the story specifically for that very niche group. (laughs) <laughs> it sounds like me and, and all my friends and everybody. Yeah. Well, take it from me. I was an anxious, underachieving kid, and it still spoke to me as well. So they, oh, I did oh, I did a lot for me, but probably you guys have been like, you play video games a lot. I'm like, I sure did, guys. <laughs> um, and it, it spoke to me as well. Uh, I will say uh, two moments that really stood out to me. One that was very funny was the line, give it to me straight, Dr. Bleep Bloop. Which is just just great writing. That's just good writing, guys. I laughed at that. That's a great line. I, I kind of giggle to myself every time I read that line. We've done a few readings, like, for actually children, like kids. And, like, I'm always laughing at that line to myself and no one else is laughing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I thought that was a funny line. Hey, you're right. That is well worth Give it to me straight, Dr. Bleep Bloop, is, is comic gold. But there's also it. a moment where... Uh, Pi gets, like, the confidence to talk about it with his friends and discovers that another one of his friends also feels the zaps. And I think that that, it's it's a small moment, but I think that that is a huge, important thing um, because it it resonates that one of the things that we don't do enough in, in society is, like, normalize talking about our mental health and normalize, like, especially for children, 
uh, like processing, talking about those issues, and not just saying, ah, eh, everybody kind of feels, yeah, that's just normal, that's part of growing up, that about it. To like have that conversation, give them the words to talk about it. Uh, and I thought that that was a really sweet moment. Yeah, it definitely well, helps you. to validate and to empathize, right? This is teaching these very specific skills in such a great, fun way. Uh, one of the things we try to focus on when we, you know, do a topic on trainers is try to do like functional, uh, how you know, very practical advice. So, like, you guys now have like worked with the Child Mind Institute and written this book. Like, what is what's some advice that you would give to like parents if they noticed? Like, I tried to explain this to Bibi that everybody worries about stuff. That anxiety is different from that. So like, how would you, what advice would you give for like, you know, if you notice this and this, maybe talk to them about this kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, what's so interesting about this is that like, you know, we, we aren't experts on, on it, right? Like we're both dealing with our own versions as adults with like our own mental health stuff. And so the talking about it is fascinating and it never it's like one of those conversations that I think our entire lives will always continue to evolve as we deepen our understanding of all parts of it. And I think that um, something that April says a lot about a lot of, at least to me privately, with like heavy topics and kids is a lot of times kids, and maybe you recognize this as parents, like can handle more information than I think adults think that they can. You know, like a great example of this, and I'm, going very roundabout and I apologize, but, um, you know, like kids with like death, for example, sometimes it's like, oh no, the kid can't go to the funeral or we we're going to ignore it. We're going to pretend that when in reality, like a lot of times the kid will be like, oh, that's what happened to grandpa. Oh, that's sad. Okay. And then they resume, you know what I mean? Playing. And yeah. so I, I find sort of the same thing with these kind of conversations, right? Is there, there's totally a way to like, just be open and free with the conversation. And I feel like the kid will offer up as much as they are able to offer up in the moment. And so I feel like it's sort of the parent's job to become as learned and as researched as possible when they start to notice these things so that when the conversation comes up, it's not like a blindsidey thing or you have to really worry about like traumatizing your child. I think it can be as simple as like, hey, it's just so you know, it's totally normal to feel these ways. And I, I'm very aware that it can be scary. You know, it's that, that line between presenting an issue, explaining the issue, talking about the issue, but not putting your own baggage on top of the issue so that yeah. the kid doesn't absorb it like a sponge. And then like, you know, it's really complicated. I don't know if I answered anything, but I, I, know, did, but did. I did talk yeah. for a minute and a half straight. <laughs> there is that, that, that fine line that you're talking about as far as like, Bibi can understand that the earth turns and also revolves around the sun. And she like can think about all of these complicated things when you explain them in a simple, in a simple, but yet straightforward like way. Right. And it's just learning that vocabulary to talk about feelings and worries and anxieties and, and about expectations and coping mechanisms and all that stuff. It's just trying to sort it all out. So you can be simple and still true. <laughs> yeah. And I, we try to, uh, as parents, like model that behavior as well. The comfort of talking about feelings, especially when it's stuff that's embarrassing, you know, like I, I, as I connected with ADHD and just who I am, like I have issues of like getting frustrated 
and just saying like, you know, sometimes daddy feels frustrated and it feels like this and it's hard because I see her gets frustrated. And instead of saying you are frustrated and you need to do this, when I feel frustrated, I say, ah, I'm feeling frustrated and I know I need to do this. And it feels like this when I am frustrated and I know that really the thing that's happening is this. And like by talking about it, I then see her at other times when she's feeling something say, yeah, right now, I just think I'm feeling this way. And it's just like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. You're doing great. Which we yeah, have to see in the book, too. Yeah. Yeah. We always say, like, the book is not prescriptive because obviously we're not doctors and it's a children's book. But, um, but like, even kids are the experts of their own experiences. So like you're saying, Trav, it's like you can go in and, and say something along the lines of like, oh, you must be feeling frustrated. But to stop and listen and give them the space to kind of word the things how they want to word it and express their feelings in the way that feels true to them is making making the kid the, the, the expert of their own experience. And the first time an adult takes you and your feelings seriously is a very big deal for a lot of kids. <laughs> I know yeah. it, it doesn't seem like it, but the first time where an adult sits you down and kind of listens to you talk through something and, and looks you in the eye and says, yeah, that, that might be happening. That is happening to you. And thank you for like telling me that more than knowing how to diagnose what's going on with your child in that moment, building that kind of rapport and trust with your child is going to be the most important thing to having the more difficult situ uh, conversations as they get older and they're going to feel safer talking to their parents. That's another thing that I really like about the book. Like you mentioned, like having a child express their feelings in their own way of like, by calling it a case of the zaps, it makes me think about, I mean, it's not on a monopia in this way, but the way of like a kid understands that like, their skin is kind of buzzing and that their stomach is doing flips and you know that they'll talk about like i you know i just feel like like my body feels tight and i feel you know like that and it's like if you say are you feeling anxious and the kid doesn't know you know they don't have the the vocabulary for exactly what that means but if you're like does your stomach feel kind of bubbly you know do you feel like scared are you feeling like you know your hands are maybe feeling a little tingly whatever you want to say and they can like tell you the physicality sensations that they're feeling is way better than like them trying to use these like you know eight syllable words to describe their feelings yeah and so i really i really like the way that that's laid out in the book uh of of that kind of feeling it's great and what's so what's so funny about that too is like you made me think of something is like Recently, I, with my own anxiety, have been having a physical sensation that is new to my like 15 plus year journey or whatever with anxiety. And I'm now laughing because I'm sitting here being like, wow, like April will remember this. Like I describe it as like, it feels like someone cracked an egg on my head, but instead of the yolk, it's lava. And then the mm -hmm. lava is rushing down my whole body. And like, I'm a grown man and, I, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm still using that kind of very visceral language to talk about it. So yeah, I, I suppose we never grow out of that, I guess. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us on this. I, I really think the book is absolutely lovely. BB really likes it. Um, she, for some reason, the only big question she had is how does the oil spray out of the uh, DW40 can? And I was right. like, well, haven't you ever like squeezed a juice box too hard? And she was like, ah, you probably squeezed it too hard because of the zaps. I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. Sounds great. But I don't know. Everything else. She was like, no, I understand this. I understand this. But why did the oil shoot out of the can? And I'm like, That's I don't so know, funny. man. 
that's her. That's her whole deal. It's great. Um, but thank you guys so much. Uh, also, before I forget, James Kwan, who did uh, the illustrations for this, they're so cute. So yeah, great. They're so good. Uh, I, I love them so much. And I just like, when we got those first drawings, April and I were both so delighted. It was unbelievable. It was like someone read our mind as to what we wanted the world to look like. I have over here in our little office, the original, a few pages of the original pencil drawings framed up on the wall. Nice. It's very nice. Now, where can people find A Case of the Zaps? Uh, anywhere you get books. Um, if you just Google A Case of the Zaps, there's, you can of course be taken to Abrams, our publisher's website. And then from there, it'll show like all of the places, but check your local bookstores uh, because those are always the best places uh, in my opinion to support, see if they have it. If they don't, maybe they can order it. Or, you know, you could just go on the internet and buy it. Uh, April, <laughs> Alex, is there anything else you would like to plug? You want to give out your socials or anything like that? Oh my God, why did I think you met your my social security number? No, April, you know what, April is soon, so did I. As soon as I said it, I was like, what a weird way to say it. That sounds like I'm asking for their social security. I'm so sorry, guys, I don't do this a lot. I apologize. <laughs> no, to give I out your social media handles. Yes, um, mine is on Instagram, April.Laval. And if you DM me, I'll just give you my social security number. Right. Okay, great. Perfect. <laughs> right. And mine uh, on Twitter and Instagram is Alex Boniello. I'm sure the spelling will be there, but just at that. And I will not answer any of your DMs at all. That's regardless fair. That's, of fair. Social That's security a very number. healthy boundary. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you both so much and have a great day. Thank yes, you. Bye. Thank you. Okay, that's going to do it for us. Thank you all so much. Thank you again to Alex and April. Make sure you check out uh, A Case of the Zaps, available now. Uh, go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the other great Max Fun shows there. Uh, thank you to our editor, Rachel, without whom we could not make this show. Thank you to Alex, our writer and researcher, without whom we could not make this show. Thank you for listening. We could make this show without you, but why? And uh, make sure you go over to McElroyMerch.com. Check out all the great McElroy merch there. We've got some live shows coming up on September 29th and September 30th. We're going to be in San Jose. Uh, well, I say we. My brother, my brother, and me, and the Adventure Zone will be in San Jose. And then on October 1st, my brother, my brother, and me will be in Denver. So you can get those tickets as well as all the tickets for the rest of the year at bit.ly slash Tours. Uh, what else, Teresa? We always thank Brent, Brentle Floss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla M. Wasso for our Twitter thumbnail art. That's at SchmannersCast. And that's where we got all these great listener-submitted questions for this episode. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pennant Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. Also, we are always taking topic suggestions and idiom suggestions. So if you can, please email schmannerscast at gmail.com and say hi to Alex because she reads every single email. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.